Hey Mike, thanks for being here. So why don't we tell a little bit, uh, our people a little bit about who you are and your connection to Centennial Road. Great, great to be here this morning. So as a young man at 17 years old, uh, I was coming to an end of my road. My whole life was confusion, nothing made sense. If I went to the right, I was gonna carry on doing the same thing I did, go to church, be the good guy. If I went to the left, it might be a road of smoking, drinking, sexual stuff. And I didn't see any direction either way. And at that pivot point in my life, a friend of mine invited me to go to a, a young people's camp. And at that camp, for the first time in my life, I understood that I would die because of my sin and go to hell. And that weekend I had the opportunity and I understood and I grasped it with my whole being and invited Jesus Christ to come into my life and that changed my life forever. Mm. So then at the age of 20, I was starting to grow in my faith and, and the old traditional church that I was going to wasn't meeting my needs. And so I ended up coming to the standard church at 101st Street. So yeah, it was pretty interesting and awesome. 48 years, so out of about 100, you've been around for 48 of them, which is really, really cool. How has been uh, connecting with this community, how has that helped you grow in your relationship with Jesus? So I guess so, you know, just some of the highlights over the 48 years. Uh, so I've had opportunities to be in different Bible study groups uh, and what we call uh, growth groups. And one that stands out in my mind, uh, and I believe uh, Faye Prozel was teaching this one at the time, but we were talking about spiritual gifts. And, and so as a young Christian, I didn't know what my spiritual gifts were. And I found out that I had the gift of serving, hmm. that I had a, a compassionate heart, and that uh, uh, I became an encourager, and, uh, and then, of course, praying with uh, pastor and friends and so on. So uh, that was really neat to find out who I was. Hmm. And, and so I, I learned to be faithful in, in my tithing and my offerings and uh, my time and my talents. And so over the years, we have experienced answers to prayer and many, many blessings of God, which uh, is just awesome. That's really cool. So Sea Road's turning 100. What does something turning that old make you think of? It's really pretty humbling when you think of uh, think of the people that have gone before us. You know, the people that uh, sacrificed their time, their money, and their talents. And... Uh, it's just mind-boggling. Uh, when I think what happened on this property and, and uh, how God honored our faith, so we've you know we've seen a lot of amazing things happen. Uh, we've seen marriages saved. We've seen lives transformed forever, and we are so grateful to, to God for that. That's cool. So when you think of like the next hundred, what would you hope? Like if you and I were having a conversation. 100 years from now, what sort of things do we hope that we would see in the next hundred? So, of course, these are all personal to my heart, and maybe not everybody would see it the same, but this is really where uh, my wife and I have talked about these things. Uh, you know, in, in the very near future, in the next four to six years, we're hoping to have a big celebration as we, uh, we pay off our mortgage and we are debt-free. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. That's so exciting to think we'll be there. And then we're in a whole totally different situation. 
we are now in a, a place where we are debt free and we can show great generosity. And uh, what I would hope to see is that we are going to forge ahead into new areas of, of ministry like we've never seen or done before. And uh, I really would like to see uh, this would be amazing work where we as a church, I'd like to see us working and praying alongside with all the other churches in Toronto. And that this area would be would be known as the Bible Belt of Ontario because we work together because of our love, our devotion, and our generosity in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Welcome. If you are tuning in online or here in person, we're so glad that you are a part of our 100-year celebration. Sea Road is 100. Come on. Somebody excited about that? Isn't that amazing? Now, it's not every day that something or someone turns 100, and so instead of a one-part celebration, we're going to have a four-part celebration of celebrating who we've been, who we are, and who we are becoming as a community. 100 years ago, a cluster of amazing young adults from a Bible school started meeting together. Two years later, they had their first physical property that they called their own because they were inviting people to connect with them. And from that moment, that's why we're here today. God's blessing, their perseverance, and so many others that have gone before us. It is simply amazing. We're going to do a bunch of different things over the next four parts of our time together. We're going to learn together. We're going to celebrate. We're going to enjoy. If you had the opportunity on your way in, if you're in person, maybe you saw one of these mementos. They're called our next 100 journals. And so what we want you to do is make sure that you have one of those. You can keep it. Maybe something like 100 years from now, somebody finds in your closet and they're like, ooh, what was that all about? That's Sea Road's 200 and they'll have a 200 year journal or something like that. If you aren't here and you're like, man, I'm missing out. Well, we miss you. But we have something just for you. If you go to our webpage, centennialroad.com, you can have a digital version of this right now. And you can uh, download it, save it, print it at home, all those wonderful things. So you can participate along with us. Kids, I know that you are awesome. And you know that you are awesome. So age three to grade three, if you have not yet made your way up to Big City Studio, now is the moment to do so. And those of you who are tuning on in online, Grab your chocolate milk because it's better than real milk. Grab your chocolate milk and make sure that you go to our webpage, centennialroad.com. You can view our kids' ministry content that's been created just for you and for this series looking ahead. It's going to be awesome and amazing. My friend Jeremy, he was my friend from kindergarten through to grade four. My friend Jeremy, he and I were competitive. We loved each other, but we were competitive because we were the top two people in our classes in all sorts of the subjects. But my friend Jeremy was really, really, really good at reading out loud. He was amazing. Like he had a voice for radio. I've been told I've got a face for radio. I don't know what that means, but he's got a voice for radio. You just listen to him. I remember in the fourth grade, we had this reading challenge out loud where each one of us as classmates had to read out loud for three or five minutes. And he, were, he was just soothing. You're just like, this guy is amazing. I remember thinking, man, would he just screw up? Would he make a mistake? Would he just say something silly? Would he start to stutter? Would his voice crack right in the middle? Would he do something so like I could go above him in the pecking order 
for all that stuff, and, and guess what? It never happened. I kept wishing, and it never happened, and he was consistent, and he was consistent, and he was consistent. That's called envy. Have you ever envied somebody? Have you ever saw something that they have or something that they could do and you're like, oh, if I could just do that, if that was a part of who I was, then everything would change. What do we do when we get envious? See, a part of our community, a part of growth, a part of learning together is looking back at who we were. And sometimes we can look back and we can be envious and go like, man, if we were only in that space, vice versa, we could always look ahead and be like, oh, but if we were only in this space, what does it mean and how do we deal with envy in the moment? We're going to look at a a relationship between two pretty prominent figures in the Bible, a man named Saul and a man named David. So in a few moments, we're going to read into their story a little bit. If you want to already make your way to 1 Samuel chapter 16, if you have a Bible with you or on your Bible app, that's where we're going to be landing verses 14 through 23, but I'm just going to set this up a little bit to let you know why we would study the relationship between these two people at the beginning of our celebration of the next hundred, a hundred years of ministry and looking ahead. The why is linked into the story and formation of the community they are a part of. They are Israelites, they're Jews, they are Hebrews. And the Jewish community, the Jewish whole family was, was started with a promise in mind. God spoke to their very first patriarch and matriarch, Abraham and Sarah, and he said, I'm going to make you father and mother of a great nation. That's what I'm going to do. And I want you, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to other people. And that's where the formation of this community began. That was their mission, to be blessed by God so that they could bless everyone around them. As the years ticked on by, the leadership structure of that community changed from one small family, a husband and wife that couldn't originally have kids and then had one kid in their old age, to like hundreds and millions of people decades and generations later. That's the size of this family. And and their leadership structure changed from like one set of people to clusters of set of people. Different words were used in their leadership structure, like judges. Judges, the whole book of Judges in the Old Testament is chock full of these different temporary leaders, military strategists in particular, that God raised up to rescue his people from some sort of plight or some sort of challenge that they were facing in the moment. All along the way, human beings, we've got something in common with these people that lived thousands of years before us, they were unsettled. They didn't enjoy all the time the, the, the space that they were in or the challenges that they were facing. They were wanting something different, something more. In particular, over time, they were really craving a physical king. See, when God chose this people group and set them apart, they, he wanted them to go first. He wanted to bless them so they could be a blessing. And he was going to be their God, their king And they weren't going to need any other sort of leadership structure, but they wanted something physical and tangible, somebody they could approach and talk to like everybody else around them. They wanted and craved what everybody else had. They were envious. So over time, the leadership structure morphed. There were prophets, there were judges, but then there came the time of kings where God said, okay, I will give you your first king." The first king of this community, this nation, was a man named Saul. 
he was battle-tested. He was battle-tested. He was a military strategist. He was amazing. He didn't back down from fights. He looked for fights, that kind of a king. He was a warrior. He was somebody that the people loved and embraced and celebrated as king. He was anointed as that very first king, but somewhere along the line, he disqualified himself from leadership. He moved outside of what God wanted, and instead of replacing him in that moment, you know what God did? God sent a prophet, somebody to anoint the next king, to find the next king of Israel. And that's where David comes into the story. This young man, about 16 years old, anointed as the next king of Israel while the previous king was still in place. So let's take a look of how their relationship unfolds from that point. 1 Samuel chapter 16, beginning in verse 14. Now the spirit of the Lord had left Saul, and the Lord sent a tormenting, tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. Some of Saul's servants said to him, A tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. Let us find a good musician to play the harp whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you. He will play soothing music, and you will soon be well again. All right, Saul said. Find me someone who plays well and bring him here. One of the servants said to Saul, One of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is talented, is a talented harp player. Not only that, he is a brave warrior, a man of war, and has good judgment. He is also a fine-looking young man, and the Lord is with him. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse to say, Send me your son David, the shepherd. Jesse responded by sending David to Saul, along with a young goat, a donkey loaded with bread, and a wineskin full of wine. So David went to Saul and began serving him. Saul loved David very much, and David became his armor-bearer. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, asking, Please let David remain in my service, for I am very pleased with him. And whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp. Then Saul would feel better, and the tormenting spirit would go away. Imagine that for a moment. You are serving the guy whose job you've been created to take. And you step into that environment, and Saul does not yet know that that's what God has in mind. And they start having this relationship. In fact, we're told that Saul loves David, loves what David is able to provide for him in the moment, that soothing reality, that calming presence that worshipful experience when things seem chaotic in his heart and in his mind. Now, the relationship gets even more complicated. If you flip forward a few verses, you're going to find out that David has his moment, his historical moment where he stands face to face with a giant in one-on-one -on -one combat and takes him down. Something that nobody else in the Israelite army, including Saul, was willing to do community starts to celebrate. Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. They started to elevate David as king, and their relationship starts to shift and change. Not only that, but for killing this giant, David gets to marry Saul's daughter. 
That's part of the reward. He gets to marry Saul's daughter. So not only is he started out in this servant-type capacity, but now he's family. He becomes best friends with the heir apparent to the throne, Jonathan, Saul's firstborn son. David is interconnected. And there's a challenging dynamic that continues to flow as it becomes more and more evident that David is the future and Saul is the past. Saul handles it very interestingly. The three things that we're going to highlight from the formation of their relationship moving forward, the first is this. We can protect our mission or we can preserve our history, but we can't do both. We can protect our mission or preserve our history, but we can't do both. This is the challenge that Saul faced. The mission that they had as a community, as a family, as a nation, was to be a blessing to the world around them. That was their mission. That was their purpose. That was what they were supposed to be about. But when it became evident that Saul was not going to be a part of that leadership moving forward, Instead of embracing that reality, he started to resist it. He started to get frustrated. He started to get angry. He started to get bitter. If you read the story as how it unfolds over time, you're going to see more anger, more rage, more just plain old disappointment that takes shape in Saul's life. It's because he forgot this fundamental truth, that we can protect only one thing. We can only protect one thing, and that's our mission, what we were made for. I love history. I think history is an amazing part of our story as humankind, but we can't live in the past. Anytime we try to preserve our history and go like, man, wasn't it it great when we could, couldn't we go back to the time when, do you know what? Time only moves in one direction, forward. It only moves forward. There's no time machine invented, no matter how much Hollywood has tried to convince us. There's no time machine that's been invented. We can't go backwards. We can only go forwards. And as we're going forward, we have a decision to make. What is it that we are going to protect or preserve? We can learn from our history. We can learn from our past. We can celebrate it. We can remember it, but we can't live there. We can't stay there. The first facility that was purchased by the group of people that affectionately we refer to now as Centennial Road Church was on Perth Street. You can drive past it even today. It's a small little, I'll call it apple box. Nice and cozy. Physical distancing in that space wasn't wasn't a, a reality. We've got two pews that we've restored from that time and that era. And you can see them in the boulevard. For those of you who are at home going like, I wish I could see it. Well, when you leave your house for an essential service, just come by on your way to do outdoor exercise in our garden that's open. Let us know and you can come and take a look at these pews. But go look at them. You can even try sitting on it. It's a tight fit. It's interesting. That space wouldn't have contained who we are today. So somewhere along the line, that group of people had to go like, you know what? what, what we're becoming, who we are right now, doesn't fit who we've been. And that doesn't mean that we don't appreciate who we've been or, or where we've come from. That just means that we've got to shift and change and adapt as Jesus 
leads us forward. We're going to discover in this relationship between Saul and David that instead of embracing this reality that God's favor was being poured out on somebody else, somebody that Saul would not have chosen, instead of celebrating that, instead of supporting that, he did everything that he could to try and kill it. In fact, he literally tried to kill David on more than one occasion. One of my favorites is when he was playing his harp. You know, the thing that, the thing that Saul really appreciated David for? He was so frustrated, so angry, that he grabbed a spear and chucked it at David's head. If that doesn't signal to you that your boss is frustrated with you, I don't know what does. But David hung in there, and he tried to love and serve his king. The leadership structure that was in place that God allowed to exist, even though he obviously didn't agree with his life being at risk. We can protect our mission, or we can preserve our history, but we can't do both. So instead, as we look back, as we celebrate all the things that God has done, let's remember and let's use it as fuel for the future, for the present and the future. God has been so faithful. God will continue to be faithful today and tomorrow, no matter what type of challenge we face as a community. God will not change. He will not forget us. He will not let us down. God will carry us forward. Let us protect our mission to love and live like Jesus as much as possible instead of preserving our history. Let's learn from it and move forward courageously. The second thing from this story that I think is so good to highlight is that we don't play a lead role. We've got a supporting role, and it's important. We don't play the lead role We've got a supporting role. It's important. Saul forgot this. He started to think that the whole nation of Israel was for him. He was king. He forgot that it's all about God. It's all about Jesus. Anytime a community throughout history that has started well with good intentions in mind, with with the reality of like wanting to love and serve people in mind, and then they've deviated from that, they've never finished well. They've never ended well in that space. If I could have, with Jeremy, simply celebrated that he was better at me than something, encouraged him that instead of wanting to see him fail, I would have wasted so much less emotional energy. I would have been able to Embrace joy, become an encourager. Be excited genuinely for my friend and my classmate who was doing something exceptionally well. If we could just learn to celebrate God's activity regardless of what that means for us as an individual church, but just God's activity in the region, you know God's doing some things that we're not even aware of yet. There's some amazing things happening all throughout the St. Lawrence region. And when we hear about those stories, instead of being envious, why don't we just celebrate? Why don't we just go like, yes, thank you, Lord, for making a way forward. Thank you, Lord, for doing something extraordinary. If we can embrace this mindset that recognizes we aren't the lead character in this story, God is the lead character, then we can embrace the role, the important role that he's called us to do. 
to love and live like Jesus. That is our job. To love people radically and intentionally through weird, random stuff and cool stuff that we're already aware of. Sometimes he's going to be like, hey, you're going to pull into a gas station and he's going to tell you, hey, I want you to buy the gas for the car in front of you. That might seem weird and random, but God is never weird or random. God is always purposeful and intentional in what he shares with you. You will have the opportunity to partner with what he is doing. Your choice, though, to embrace the reality that your role isn't the lead role, but it's an important one. Saul, instead of doing that, hangs onto his role as much as he can. And at the end of his life, he ends up with a nation divided into two parts because he just wouldn't relinquish the power that God had given him in the moment, the power of the office. He hung on to it tightly. There's a phrase I like to use all the time. I, I like to live open-handed. That makes no sense because you can't carry a lot when your hands are open. But that's the whole point. Whatever we've been given isn't ours to keep forever. We're temporary stewards of what we have. All of the resources, the relationships, the talents, the treasures, all of that stuff is temporarily given to us so that we can be a blessing to the world around us. And if the quicker that we realize that and stay in that mindset that our role, it's not the lead one, but it's really important as a supporting cast. The quicker that we realize that, the more joy that we're going to find in our life. It's always better to give than it is to receive. Here's the third thing that we can learn from this kind of relationship and story that will launch us into where we're going as a community in the next hundred or however many years God has in mind for us to exist in some way, shape, or form. We get to solve problems. We get to solve problems. David's role was to terrify the thing that was tormenting his king. His role was to terrify the thing that was tormenting his king. This spirit that was bothering him, that was keeping him up at night, that was frustrating him. The fear of the future. The fear of the unknown. The fear of all sorts of different things. Losing power. Losing control. David was used by God to minister to that exact thing. See, sometimes in our history... If you look through it as a church or as even as an individual, you'll, you'll see these, these moments in time, these crossroads points where, where we face something that we didn't think we were prepared for or ready for. And we could have gone either way. We could have embraced it and, and flourished in the season, or we could have been hindered or, or harmed by that season or that moment or that experience. More often than not, more often than not, we can allow God to use those to refine us. And sometimes the solutions to those problems come outside of ourselves. They come in the form uh, of, of a next generation or a new wave of thinking that helps shape us moving forward. Without David's skillful harp playing, there would have been no rest and reprieve for Saul. 
without David's ability to solve that problem in the moment, something that God created him to do, Saul would have been tormented to the point of breaking. Now, eventually he gets there because he doesn't want to relinquish his power. He doesn't want to relinquish his office. He wants to control all things. But in the moments where he's letting David terrify the thing that torments him, he finds reprieve and peace and calm. The whole point of God's story, the whole point of being a part of a community of faith is recognizing that we aren't going to be able to control everything. We're going to be able to do some things well, and at some point in time along the way, other people are going to come along and do things that we never thought were possible. If we could go back 100 years and talk to these cluster of young adults and say, hey, we are now sitting on a 42-acre property on the north end of Brockville, just into the county, and there's amazing people that have been a part of this community, and literally thousands of people have been influenced for the, go- for the, for the gospel through the ministry of this church. Do you think those cluster of, of young adults would have seen all of that? They started so small, just a handful. They didn't know what the future was going to look like but they were obedient and faithful to their role in the story. Loving people along the way, inviting other people to participate with them, and letting God do what he does best, and that is grow and build and bless. If we get out of the way and let God do what he does, that's when life makes sense. We are going to face future challenges that we don't yet know how to solve, but... We can trust that God is going to send us the right people at the right time with messages from him, with skills that he's given them to help us grow into who he's asking us to be. And if we can recognize those moments and recognize those opportunities and recognize those individuals, that we can be a part of what God is doing in real time. One of the greatest ways that we can do that is by being all in when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. Being all in starts with having a relationship with Jesus. If you do not yet have a relationship with Jesus, that's where you start, right there. Forging that along with him moving forward. Start right there by embracing the reality that God loves you, has a plan for your life, and wants to use all of the challenges that you've been facing for good. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but definitely sometime in the future. He will take everything that you've experienced and turn it into something good. If you let him, if you put it right into his hands and embrace his plan for your life. The other thing that we can do is we can be obedient and follow Jesus in terms of being baptized, in terms of of finding people that we can love and, and mentor and develop. One of the other ways that we can do that that's really strategic and intentional when it comes to a church is we can become a member. A member of a church is somebody that's saying, I I am sold out for Jesus, and I want to be a part of what this community is doing for the name of Jesus, not for the name of the community itself, but for the name of Jesus. Jesus has called me to this place. He's, He's invited me to participate with what he wants to do in us 
and through us, and you can be a part of that. All you have to do is become a member. Be all in. Signal to everybody around you that, hey, you know what? This is for this season, for this moment, this is the group of people that God is asking me to be a part of. Cool thing is, is in a couple of weeks, we're going to do a, a video Zoom membership class on the 26th of April at 7.30 p.m. If you don't even know what membership is about, if you've never been a member, if you're not even sure that you are a member of our church, maybe you've just even been attending, you're like, isn't that enough? I've been attending for 12 years. Like, is that all I need to do? No, there's another layer, another opportunity for you to get involved that goes beyond just attending and contributing of your finances. It's becoming a member. It's growing from that place moving forward. And on that day, the 26th of April, 7.30, you can hop onto that Zoom chat from your computer, your phone, and participate in that. If that date doesn't work out for you, guess what? Good news is we're going to record it. And you can view it on demand anytime after that to become a part of what you want to do and what God's inviting you into. Maybe you're going like, well, Jason, I'm too young and I've already done that. So now what? You're never too young to start getting involved in what God wants you to do. If you are a member, here's my challenge specifically for you. Find two or three other people. Pray about it. Ask God to show you two or three other people. Maybe they don't yet know Jesus. Maybe they do know Jesus, and I want you to start loving them to pieces. Intentionally, with everything that God has given you, I want you to start loving them to pieces. That's called discipleship. Start investing in them. From your resources, your wisdom, start, start listening to them. Creating time and space. Help them to grow into who God has created them to be. If we did that, that's, that's how we can partner with the movement that God began over a hundred years ago with a handful of young adults who are crazy enough to start meeting together. They started to share. They started to invest. They started to invite. And from that space, you and I now benefit from all these years later. And we now have the opportunity to partner with all of what God has been able to do up until this point by continuing on with those same fundamental values, being all in, investing ourselves in the lives of people so that God can do amazing things. In the moments where we feel like we're Saul and somebody else is David, instead of trying to kill what God is doing in that person, instead of trying to be, instead of being intimidated or envious, let's instead embrace a posture that Jesus would take. He would come alongside and he would serve that individual. He would love them. He would elevate them. He would help them to continue to grow and to flourish. And if we can do that, then there'll be many, many, many more celebrations along the way of God's faithfulness, of God's mercy, of God's intervention, of his grace, of his transformation. And for years and years and years, the next hundred and beyond, there will be iterations of communities, of, of people that have been a part of what God was doing that started way back when in 1921. And that would be amazing. Let's pray. Father, I'm so grateful that we have this rich legacy that we can look back on and celebrate. 
we can look back on and we can learn from and we can just marvel at your consistency and your faithfulness and your hopefulness. We can see all the growth and the changes and the shifts that have happened over time. The moments where we've had to give up what we thought was best so that we can embrace what you wanted us to do. And I thank you for all of those moments along the way. I thank you for the individuals that have been a part of the creation of this this community that we call Centennial Road Church. I thank you for the leaders that you've blessed us with over the last hundred years. I thank you for the people who've been connected, the people who've been influenced by, the people who have benefited from our presence in this space and in this region. God, but we recognize in all those things, it's never been about us. It's never been about us. God, it's always been about you. So I ask that you'd forgive me and forgive us for the moments where we we don't embrace that truth and reality. For the moments where we get sucked into this idea that it's about me and my experience of what I need and what I get and, and me, me, me. It's not about that. Lord, you invite us into a selfless type of life. Selfless life that your son Jesus exhibited to the full by offering his life in place of ours, by taking our punishment that we should rightfully, we should rightfully have suffered under. But instead, you made a way forward. You solved the problem that we couldn't solve. You solved the problem that we could not do on our own. And so, Lord, I know there's going to be many more moments of challenge in our present and in our future. And in those spaces and in those moments, I ask that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear what you are doing. And then a little bit of courage to step into what it is that you have in mind for us. Lord, for anyone here who's struggling to go to think through what's next, I pray that you'd land on them whatever it is that you need to, whether that's starting that relationship with you, recultivating or rekindling that relationship, whether it's taking that step forward and going like, no, I need, I need to be all in. I need to become a member so that I can identify with what God wants to do in our community. If that's what they want, what you're inviting them to, I just pray that you would, again, solidify that in their heart and their mind. And Lord, above all, I ask that you bless and protect us so that we can be a blessing to others. I ask that you be gracious to us so that we can be gracious to others. I ask that you would make your face shine upon us so that we can be a joy-filled presence to others. I ask that you grant us your peace and your favor so that we can extend that to others. Others who know you and do not yet know you for the sake of your name, for the sake of your kingdom, because you are king and we are not. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.